Ever think about peanuts? You do when making that PB&J, I'll bet, but what about the farmers who raised that crop? What can we learn from a group of producers who saw their market upended less than 20 years ago? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at issues across the country as reported by our editors. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. This is a special episode of the podcast where we talk peanuts, sustainability, markets, and well, peanuts. For 20 years, the Farm Press team has recognized peanut producers who set a high mark for efficiency from production to marketing and recognized them through the Peanut Efficiency Award program. Winners for 2020 were profiled recently in the Farm Press brands, and we wanted to know what our editors who wrote those stories learned from the effort. This week, we're talking peanuts, but there are tips and ideas from those producers that would benefit every crop producer across the country. We start off the episode with a little history from Ron Smith, editor of Delta Farm Press, who shares how the program got started, then discusses what he learned from Van Henserling, a South Mississippi grower. Let's catch up with Ron. Well, Ron Smith, it's good to catch up with you in Delta Farm Press country. I know you're actually in Tennessee somewhere, but uh, this Peanut Efficiency Award program that we're talking about today is, to me, a pretty exciting program. I've been around Farm Press for a long time, and you've been in my group for several years and I keep watching this coverage and reading these great stories, but I got to ask myself, I haven't been around farm press this long. When did this start and why did it start this peanut efficiency award program? The the germ actually started in 1999 and that was the first Southern peanut growers conference. Uh, they had it in Panama city and former editor, uh, Southeast editor now Paul Hollis. We knew that the peanut in- industry was on the cusp of change it had been in a quota program for, well, since 1938. And that quota program was going to go away, which meant that, that peanuts would be treated like any other any other commodity, corn, soybeans, cotton, all of those things. So it would be on a, a regular marketing program. So we thought this is going to put some uh, more emphasis on, on farm efficiency for, for peanut producers. They're not going to have a guaranteed price. Uh, at one time, a guaranteed price on peanuts was like $610 a ton. Today's price is more like $450. I did a, I did a little research earlier, earlier today that it started with the uh, the Farm Bill of 1938. Uh, peanuts at that time were, were selling for 3.2 cents a pound, 3 cents a pound. According to my math, that's about $64 a ton. You know, $64 in the 1938s was a whole lot more than it is now, and they weren't making uh, – you know, three tons of peanuts, they would be lucky to make a ton. They would be lucky to make half a ton. So, you know, it has changed a lot. And then in 19 and 20, 2002, uh, the peanut program went away. The quota was gone. They, they did a they did a buyout. They, they actually bought the, the quota. Quota was property. It was it was almost as valuable as a house, a farm owned quota. And they, you had to have that quota to be able to produce peanuts. And it, it went through several different iterations over, over the years. And it, it, at one time, you could you could grow quota peanuts and additional peanuts. Additional peanuts, you only got maybe a third of what the others were worth. And they could only be used for uh, export or for crushing for inedible uses. It didn't pay much to, to grow additional peanuts. So it's, it's a complex program. Had been around for a long time, and you know that that safety net was going to go away. We thought it would be a good idea to find farmers who were doing a good job and talk to them about how they were adjusting. So you know suddenly you know their their efficiency was a whole lot more important. 
their marketing became absolutely important because they hadn't had to do that before. They had a guaranteed market. If they grew peanuts, they were going to get as much as $610 a ton for them. That was back in the 90s. We saw the changes and we said, let's let's do something similar to what we've done with the High Cotton Award, which had been a you know very successful program. And we were able to emphasize cotton farmers and their sustainability programs. We knew they were, they were very efficient and very uh, conservation-minded farmers. So let's, let's see what we can do with peanuts. Uh, so we're able to begin that program. Our first uh, class was in uh, 2020. And it's interesting that you know our uh, Southwest winter this year are the son and grandsons of the first winter from the Southwest in, uh, in 2020. I interviewed him. Uh, he's still involved in the farm, but not as much. So that's, uh, you know, there's a legacy to, to the program as well. So it has been a fascinating program. It's been interesting to, uh, to catalog the changes that they made in, in 20 years. And, I, you know, I have to mention Marshall Lamb. He is a project leader at the uh, Peanut Lab uh, in Georgia. One of the most knowledgeable peanut experts, I think, in the, in the country. He has been our official advisor for the whole program always. All our uh, entries go through him. And he evaluates them, and he doesn't necessarily look at yield. Yield is always important, but the most important aspect is how efficient can you grow a pound of peanuts? Mm-hmm. And part of that is, okay, how efficiently did you market it? And that used that, that didn't used to be a problem. You just you knew the market was there. A lot of years, the marketing aspect has been more important than pounds per acre because they were really aggressive with market. They, they, sometimes they were selling quality. Sometimes they were, they were doing uh, just really value-added programs in their marketing uh, so that they got the best per pound price that they could possibly get. Initially, we had, uh, we called it the Peanut Profitability Program. In the last few years, we've changed it to Peanut Efficiency. Uh, we felt like that was a better a better name for what we were trying to to show that these farmers they're producing good yields but they're also managing costs they're looking at how they can control costs how they can uh, improve their soil uh, as one of the farmers this year did uh, they're looking at how they can manage irrigation uh, which is the biggest expense uh, in Texas uh, less so in the southeast where they get uh, get more rain. Uh, they're looking at how they can control those fungicide applications. Diseases on peanuts are incredibly important. can wipe out a crop in a, in a matter of days if, if you're really not on top of it. I told people often that you know two of my favorite crops I've always liked to cover are peanuts and cotton because you can't walk off and leave them in the summertime and expect them to be there when you get back. There are too many things that can go wrong. We will be profiling and hearing about those profiles on the podcast today. And you're right. There's some very interesting things going on uh, across the peanut country. So uh, one of the focus of the podcast today is to get a little bit about what you got out of the profile you did for this year's award. Because one of the cool parts of this program is that we do go and visit the farms and learn about them. We try to not always visit possible in this age, but get to know these farmers and learn about their operations. And you were on the Van Hansarling farm. Yeah. In South Mississippi. Why don't you tell them, tell me about that, that operation. And what'd you get out of that? Well, one of the things that impressed me about, about Van is that he told me right off. He said, if it wasn't for peanuts, I wouldn't be farming. And that's with, uh, you know, with the lower prices and uh, that then they used to be able to grow. And he, uh, he got started in peanuts when the quota system was still still available. One of the things that impressed me about 
about Van. He grows almost a thousand acres of peanuts. 75 of those are irrigated. Wow. So 825 acres are produced dry land. And on those dry land acres, he averages 5,400 pounds per acre, which is incredible. That is a, and, you know, the cost of irrigation is, you know, as you know, whether you're irrigating you know, corn in Iowa or, or peanuts or cotton in South Georgia, the price of irrigation is extremely high. So that, that bumped his efficiency level up in, incredibly. And I, probably one of the, one of the biggest things that, that he does to, to make sure that that peanut is the reason he's, he's still in, in business. He's been farming on his own since uh, shortly after he got out of high school. His yields have, have steadily increased. I think he, he went from about, oh, 3,000 pounds, and he had better, then he got new varieties that were just a little bit better, and he said that made a big jump up to about uh, uh, 4,000. He was, he was soon up to, uh, you know, 45, and year before last, he, uh, he had close to 3,000 uh, 3, ton average overall uh, his whole farm. So that's, you know, 6,000 pounds of peanuts, even at $450 a pound, a ton, I'm sorry is uh, uh that that's that's pretty good uh pretty good year's work so uh, is he i want to clarify so he's mostly dry land yes so how does he i mean we know how much water peanuts need how's he i mean i know there's rain where he is but how's he marshalling all that rain or that water go across okay he uses a um a combination of uh um rye grass uh he plants some wheat he will double crop some wheat and he'll he'll plant cotton, and then uh, he'll plant wheat behind cotton, uh, grow the wheat out, and may plant cotton behind that that wheat again, and then the next year he plants peanuts. Okay. One, of the, one of the other things that we I've noticed over well I've, I've been covering peanuts for 40 years. Every good peanut farmer I've ever talked to, the key to his success is rotation, and usually at least three years out of peanuts, and then go back to another back back to cotton or corn. So usually a grass crop is better, but peanuts after peanuts will end up with a, a heavy disease problem that you can't you can't put enough fungicide out to to control it. Uh, so that rotation has always been an incredibly important part of of, of the peanut program. He says uh, a cover crop is a is a poor man's irrigation system. I love it because, that, you know, you don't think of that, but it does retain the water and can capture or uh, get, grab nutrients, too, and keep them in place. And then you're also building your organic matter, which Absolutely. there's a profile later on this podcast where that actually happened in an area where you don't think of organic matter going up. Anything about his operation that was a takeaway for you? You've been doing this 40 years, and I will remind our listeners that Ron is about to retire and leave the farm press staff. We do call him the short timer. But uh, as you're doing your, uh, as you're doing this, you've been doing this a long time. Anything from Van's operation that you took uh, took away that maybe was different than anything you'd heard before, or maybe builds on something you've been covering all this time? One of the things that I've noticed over the years is, is cotton and peanuts. They make such a good uh, combination. Mm-hmm. And he switched from when he first started. He was growing grains. He was growing corn and. Um, corn and soybeans almost exclusively, and then he got into cotton, and then he started growing peanuts and was absolutely hooked back in uh, back in the early 80s, some, somewhere along there, in, uh, or 90s. But uh, so how did he acquire a quota? You know, like you said, that was a pretty valuable thing to get a quota, but he started uh, raising peanuts during the quota time. Yeah, one, uh, you could buy it. You could buy okay. it from another farm. At, at some point, you could rent quota. You could lease quota for a year. 
if a uh, uh, a neighboring farmer has you know decided to retire uh, and had quote a quota and based on his on his uh, farm, uh, he would lease that. It was, it was a pretty valuable commodity, and you know farms had to be careful about how much they paid for quota or you know, paid for the lease. So he was able to get it that way. And then when the uh, when the program ended, you know the quota system was gone away. At one time, you couldn't move quota from one county to another. It, it was uh, stuck in that county. Sometimes farmers who would uh, who wouldn't grow enough peanuts to meet their quota, they would buy quota from a farmer who maybe had overproduced. Mm. So a question now, I mean, one of the things that's kind of interesting about this program and uh, the quota was an, actually an artificial market for peanuts. Sure. Um, we're raising peanuts now better and more efficiently. We're also raising peanuts in places we haven't before because there's no quota tied to this. What's your sense of the peanut market today? I mean, obviously, 425 a ton is lot less than the quota was, but guys are making money on that, right? Yeah, but they have to make they have to make yield. They have to mm. make two tons, uh, and two tons is probably probably right at break even if they're really careful. They have they have to watch their costs. Uh, and I read a report earlier today that we're probably looking at another uh, a big crop because we had good good moisture going mm. in. Acreage is up a little bit because uh, peanuts you know, they they penciled in better than cotton. Uh, so we're going to have acreage, we're going to have production. So that could uh, put some clamps on prices uh, uh, next next year or, or this fall. You know, they sell, they sell on, on contract a lot now. If they can't get a good contract in spring, uh, they'll hang on and hope that uh, you know, that'll, they'll get a weather market. Yeah, uh, I know that's happening more and more. I mean, I remember when there was some underbidding for peanuts a few yes. years ago and there was some games played and then the farmers didn't raise the peanuts and then the peanut users who shall remain nameless, were upset with the farmers and almost blamed them for shortages of certain peanut products. Uh, in the middle of a pandemic, one of those peanut products is extremely popular, and that would, of course, be peanut butter. And I'm hoping that will bolster the market somewhat. Elena Dismick, so you know, our uh, staff writer down in, in right, this right. did a story. Uh, in March, peanut butter sales went up 75% compared to last March. You should see my house. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it, it's a good pre look. Peanuts, peanut. If you can eat them, peanut butter and peanuts are an excellent protein source. Peanuts are not a crop you just jump into. No. If you're going to be into peanuts, that's a whole different set of harvesting. It's a set of you know, it's a spraying setup. It's a planting's different. I mean, everything is different in peanuts. Well, they, there is equipment with peanuts that you can't use for anything else. The combines are are totally different than a, a grain combine. A digger. You can't use that digger for anything else because it, uh, it's fascinating to watch peanuts being dug. They, you know, they, there's a plow goes under them and then then they they they're inverted, yep. so the actual peanut is uh, is is toward the sun's where it will dry for a day or two before they bring the combine in. It's a fascinating process. It's a crop you can't see That's until right. you lift it out of the ground. So that's uh, really good. Well, Ron, congratulations on the Peanut Efficiency Award, the 21st year. Um, we appreciate your work and the history on this program. I've been talking to Ron Smith with Delta Farm Press. So you take care, sir, and thanks for your time. Thank you, Willie. My pleasure. Thanks, Ron, for the history and insight you gained from 20 years covering the program, including this year's profile of Mr. Henserling. Next, we head to Texas to talk with Shelley Hughley, editor of Southwest Farm Press, who did the profile on the Martin family from Wellman, Texas, whose patriarch was honored 20 years ago with one of the first peanut efficiency awards. Let's hear what Shelley learned from her visit with the family. 
Well, Shelley Hoogley, good to catch up with you again. And uh, we're, I'm excited this time on the podcast. We're talking about the Peanut Efficiency Award, which is a pretty significant recognition of peanut producers around the country by Farm Press and by the industry. But talk to me about the folks you talked to and kind of what you picked up in their operation. Well, this is always an exciting time for us as editors. We talk to, you know, producers all year long. And so to get to highlight and honor a, a particular grower is, is really exciting. And so this year I have the honor of honoring uh, Glenn and Aaron Martin from Wellman, Texas. And there's several things about them that are unique, that make them excellent peanut producers. But, but what's neat about their award is that they're Glenn's father, James Martin, was actually our very first peanut efficiency winner in 2000. And so 20 years later, his son and grandson are being recognized for their peanut production. So not only are they generational farmers, they're generational peanut efficiency winners. It's been really fun to not only visit with James to see what's changed and what hasn't in 20 years, but then also to, to talk to Glenn and Erin and how they've made the operation their own and, and changes that they've made. And, you know, one thing hasn't changed, and that's the water issue. James talked about in 2000 that water was a main concern because the Ogallala Aquifer is decreasing. Well, I asked Glenn and Erin the same thing. What would you say is the key to your success to your yields and and they responded water it drives where they can and can't plant peanuts and and it determines how much how many acres they can plant and Glenn was very specific about if we can't grow them well and we don't have sufficient water then we won't produce them on that farm so they that's makes for some interesting decision making because maybe it's a farm with excellent soil but no water no peanuts right so it's interesting. This is a multi-generational operation. That's not a that's not news. We have a lot of farms that are that way. But what do you think their secret is to maintaining this operation and maintaining it in a successful fashion this way to even have a grandson honored by the Peanut Efficiency Award? Well, it was neat because we were sitting in the the office of their barn, and um, James is to one side of me, and then Glenn and Aaron are across, and then. To my left is Kirk, and he's the youngest grandson that's come into the operation full-time. He started in 2016, and when we were talking about the secret to their success and working together as a family, Kirk said, you know, Dad, speaking to Glenn, he said, you have great management skills. You're really good at keeping everybody in line, and to which Glenn responded, you know, I've taken that role but it's not without consulting. And so they talked about how they make decisions, but they're they're all talking it out. And James responded, you know, uh, well, Glenn said, I'm, I'm, I'm not the big guy in charge. We talk about everything. And, and James responded, you know, I never was that way either. And so you just got a real sense that there's a lot of communication that's going on amongst them and not one person is making all the decisions, but working together. And and Glenn even mentioned when he and his dad worked together, which he said they had a great working relationship, that his dad always gave him the freedom to farm the way he felt like he needed to farm. And so I think it's communication. And then I think it, that's giving each other freedom to to try different things and 
and and do your own thing, be your own person. I've had these conversations with a lot of different growers over the years that the next generation dad is often like, you know, I need to be confident enough to let my son or daughter farm this and make more mis- make mistakes themselves like I did when I started. I think that's kind of difficult, but then again, it also works because you really don't learn unless you make your own decisions and live by the decisions you make. And sometimes that's, I think that's hard in farming. I can just say personally, because sometimes those mistakes are with really expensive equipment <laughs> and there's, there's a lot at stake, you know, with not much margin in farming. So it, it does take a lot of um, communication and working together and trust. And, and you really got a sense of that talking with them that, that, that they trust each other. Absolutely. Anything on just raising peanuts that you learn from these guys besides the water issue, anything that they're looking at or trying to be better at what they do in the very crop that they're honored for? Well, you know, one of the other things that I appreciated about the Martins is we visited, you know, they said another important person in their operation is their crop consultant. And his name is Mark Scott. And Mark's been working with them for like over the last 30 years. So he worked with James and now Glenn and Aaron and Kirk. Um, and so just talking about um, staying on top of, of weeds and insect pressure and that Mark's been their eyes in the field and and they're quick to respond and, and to keep that under control. Another mm-hmm. thing that they talked about was using inoculants and uh, applying sonolin before planting. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that was that was key. And and lastly, one of the things that that they've done with Mark with their crop consultant is he's had them do some test test plots with vellum. Mm -hmm. And he said when they Glenn said when they did the test plots uh, that they put it on on applied it on half the circle, but not the other half. And when they took a September satellite image, he said it was the difference of night and day of where there wasn't a vellum treatment, the vines crashed, whereas on the other one, it didn't. And he said, that's something that they've started applying on every acre of peanuts. He said, why it works, I don't know, but uh, it's sold us enough that we think it's worthwhile. And, and he admits, you know, it's expensive, but it's it's a worthwhile input into their production. Well, that goes back to the trust in this 30-year relationship with a crop consultant, though. I don't know what it is, but he suggested we try it. We tried it. It worked. Now we're using it. I mean, that's the essence of a good uh, trusted advisor relationship, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, the other part of that success in their operation is their uh, their precious wives. They each play a role. And Aaron's wife, she's the Lisa, she's the bookkeeper. And Glenn's wife, Gwen, she's an attorney. So she helps with a lot of the legal side of things. And Kirk's wife, they're newlyweds. She helps when she can. She works full time. So they were they were also quick to say um, how important their spouses are. And uh, as a farmer's wife, I, I can appreciate that. We, we have a lot of, we wear a lot of hats. Well, it sounds like a pretty interesting business enterprise, though, if you have your on-site attorney and your on-site bookkeeper, that all kinds right? of, work, that works out pretty well, doesn't it? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Well, Shelly, it's been good to talk to you. have been talking to Shelly Hoogley about the Martin family, one of this year's peanut efficiency award winners out of Texas. And we look forward to talking to you again in the future, Shelly. Take care and stay safe. Thanks so much. It looks like communication and working with trusted advisors pays off for the Martins in Texas. Thanks for that report, Shelley Hughley. 
Now we head east to talk to John Hart with Southeast Farm Press, who profiled Kirk Jones from Windsor, Virginia. Let's hear what John took away from their conversation. John Hart, good to catch up with you out in uh, North Carolina. Um, I'm excited to hear about your experience with your Peanut Efficiency Award-winning farmer. Um, how are things going for you? And tell me about that. Well, I actually had a good, a very good visit with him. He's a, a young farmer. He's 32 years old, and his name is Kirk Jones from uh, Isle of Wight County, Virginia, which is sort of the historic area for Virginia-type peanuts, the so-called cocktail peanuts or ballpark peanuts. And like I say, he farms with his dad, uh, J.W. Jones, and his grandfather is still involved a little bit at age 83 in, in the operation. So it's a multi-generational farming operation, and they um, kind of take a team approach, and that really works well for them. That's fascinating. And where in Virginia? Is that just southern Virginia? Where is that in? Southwest? Yeah, that's, yeah southeastern Virginia, the, you know, the heart of Virginia peanut country. That's where actually peanut production started way back in the 1840s, and it's and still going strong. So that's right in the, right you see, in the dead center of, uh, of Virginia peanut country. Okay, fantastic. When we talk about farmers and we talk to farmers all the time in our jobs, I think sometimes we, we actually don't think about what we carry out besides the story we wrote. You spent some time with the family. What were the, the takeaways you got from their operation and, and, and you might want to share here? Well, I guess the main thing is was kind of emphasized in the interview and the, and the point that Kirk really emphasized is how important it is to have mentors in farming. And he really stressed that point. He said and his dad and his grandfather were good mentors, but there are several older farmers, you know, who farm in the neighborhood, you might say, who also are mentors to him. So he says that was really vital to have the mentors who, who tell him to try new things, not be afraid to fail. So that was one really important takeaway, just how important it is to have a mentor to kind of help you along the way. And dad can't always do that, although it's great that his dad could. Uh, that's fantastic. And then have the other folks to at least bounce ideas off of, right? Exactly. And I guess the other big takeaway I, I've noticed that kind of all good farmers sort of have the same trait, which makes for good interviews, is they're all very enthusiastic for what they do. You know, they're very excited about what they do and they take great passion in what they do. And, and, and Kirk was a perfect example of that. He really does take a, a passion for it. And he told me he has a passion for growing peanuts and that's his favorite crop and that he really just enjoys every minute of it. Did they raise anything else besides peanuts up there? Yeah, they, they grow cotton, which they rotate with their peanuts, and, and traditional crops, they grow soybeans as well, and corn and wheat. They rotate every year with their, their cotton with their with their peanuts. That would work, because peanuts do real build things back up, I guess, and that's important, exactly, too. Exactly, yeah. That's a good rotational crop. Always has been, though, for cotton, I think. Anything else you took away from your conversation with Kirk? I mean, he's a younger guy. Did he come out of high school and go right to farming or what was his Exactly career? right. He sure did. Grew up in the farm like everybody and told me that's what he always wanted to do. And he has a young family, has a, 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 a new son born in October and a, a daughter who's four years old. And his, his hope is that his son, uh, Cody, continues on the farm, you know, makes, makes it the, the next generation. Oh, maybe he'll get a surprise. Maybe exactly. His maybe his daughter will want to stay on the farm. You exactly. never know, right? Yeah. <laughs> you never can tell. <laughs> that can happen, too. So, John, you've been with Farm Press for a while. You've done some peanut efficiency award profiles in the past. Anything different about this one versus what you've done with us in the past? I guess just because I guess he is a little younger than the ones typically, you know, years ago, I did a, a farmer in his 40s. So this is like the youngest one. So I guess one important takeaway is I think there's a great future because there still are young farmers out there and they're enthusiastic about what they do and, and they're excited about being in farming. You'd almost have to be nowadays, I think. Oh, exactly. <laughs> to be excited. Obviously, we know that. It's all the people we talk to. We 
We do keep farming. Well, this is fantastic. And uh, I appreciate your work on the Peanut Efficiency Award. It's one of the highlights, I think, of the year is to be able to get with some really top producers around the country and have a good conversation with them. Anything else that we should uh, touch base on before I ring off with you today? Yeah, I, I guess it really is a good program. And what I understand is that the, all the farmers who've been nominated, all the ones I have dealt with, all greatly appreciate it. You know, they, they really, really are honored by it and they consider it a great honor. So I think that speaks highly, highly for the award. I think one of the reasons we're doing the podcast is because they couldn't get together this year in Panama City Beach to be honored for their achievement. They will be next year in 2021, but we wanted to recognize them on a little different level by sharing their stories outside of the normal channels. So that's really good. Well, John Hart, Southeast Farm Press, it's good to touch base with you. Thanks for your profile on Kirk and his family and uh, keep up the good work and stay safe. Oh, thank you, Willie. I appreciate your time. We really can't overestimate the value of a good mentor, or in the case of Mr. Jones, many mentors to help a farm thrive. Thanks to John Hart for those insights. We wrap up today with Brad Hare, editor of Southeast Farm Press, learning about his takeaways from a visit with the Mullock family from Baldwin County, Alabama. What Brad learned will surprise those skeptics who say it's impossible to boost organic matter in all kinds of soils. Let's hear more about what Brad learned. Talking about the Peanut Efficiency Awards with Brad Hare down in Georgia. This is such a great program. We've had some good conversations through the whole podcast. Brad, who did you talk to for your PEA uh, profile? Hey, well, it's always good to talk with you on the podcast. Um, the lower southeast winner this year is the Mullock family. They're out of Alabama, and it's a, really a father and son team. The sons are uh, Michael and Mark and Tim, and the father's Joe. Uh, they're in their mid-40s. Joe's in his 70s. And it's a family operation, but and even Tim, which is the oldest son, is, who was my main contact when we spoke for this program. They call themselves some somewhat of an odd bird, and and I guess what he meant by that is, first of all, they started growing peanuts uh, about 20 years ago in Baldwin County, where they're based out of, and that's when the quota system came to an end, and it's a the federal quota system for peanuts and opened up the market more to people, and they're one of the first people to start growing peanuts in Baldwin County 20 years ago, and they grow peanuts literally 20 miles in from Gulf Shores, Alabama, meaning they get 70 to 75 inches of rain each year. One of their southernmost fields, you can see the condos from Gulf Shores, <laughs> which are right on the Gulf, the tops of them. But what what's interesting about the mullocks, when Tim said they're odd birds, they, they grow a different variety than most people around there. The Georgia 06 is usually the variety most people go to, but they grow Georgia 12Y. And it has high yields, and they also grow um, a couple of other different varieties. But what they've done is over those 20 years, they took a conscious effort, and really in the last six years, to really concentrate on their soils. They've initiated a, a rotational system, no-till system, that involves wheat coming after peanuts. And the only time the ground is broken is when, obviously, I don't, the listeners will know that, uh, we'll let them know that peanuts are dug. You know, they're inverted. A plow right. goes kind of through the ground and inverts the peanuts on top of the ground. That's the only time their, time their ground is broken. And what they've done is taken what was, you know, organic matter for our area and that part of the world of, you know, half a percent organic matter. They've been able to increase that to two to two and a half percent organic matter, which is phenomenal for that part of the world. Considering I said that because you got to think they're only 20 minutes, 20 miles in from just pure sand beaches. Right. So they Absolutely. have a lot of sand, but they've been able to build up the organic matter and they've done it in a rotational manner with their cotton as well as their wheat and their peanuts. And it's become a pretty good sustainable system. And they have good yields as well. They're doing two and a half tons, which is rock star yields on average for their varieties. 
And they've been able to come back and bring that soul and build that soul health. And once you talk to them about that soul, they really light up. And they're really proud of what they've been able to do. And it's a conscious effort. I think the interesting thing about high organic matter, too, is you get good mineralization of nutrients. And that's why you're going to get higher yields. I mean, the whole health and the biota in the soil is going to help all the different crops that are going there. I'm just curious as to what turned them on to even doing that and changing their practice. Do you know? Yeah, it came about when they were starting to figure out ways. And they really saw, they really didn't see the future yet. But they knew that prices fluctuate uh mr joe told the, the the sons you know you got to plan you got to plan ahead if you're not planning ahead you're you're falling behind all of these uh, these individuals uh mr joe and his sons have all graduated college i mean one mm-hmm. of them went to boston college tim went to notre dame got an engineering degree so these these individuals are studiers they all look at what can be coming down the line. And Michael in particular told me that they did it because, of course, he like, he likes calling what they did the hot zone. He said it feels like once you get going with a system, they have the same uh, furrows every year. And they have hot zones, he calls, where they keep, keep nutrients in there and make sure everything. And like you said, the microbiology is there. Mm-hmm. Plants are feeding off that uh, organic matter. Um, and they're getting the nutrients from the organic matter and getting benefits every year. But what turned them on was they just studied. They saw what can we do to kind of bolster the system. And also, keep in mind, I, I said a while ago they get 70 to 75 inches of rain yeah. a year. That can hold you up in the field greatly. But what they've done, too, with that no-till system is allow them to get back into the fields quicker when heavy rains come. And it's not unusual to get two to three or four inches of rain in one event. And that could hold up people in other parts of our world, you know, three, four, five days to get back into a field. And it also allows them to retain those those times of drought. You know, you, we can go up six days without rain around here, and you're in a drought, really. And that's what happens. But with that organic matter and with that no-till system and with the rye cover crops they fly in and, and, and everything else, it, it leaves that ground able them to get back in there in a timely manner. So what it's done also has allowed them to officially get back in the fields and also secure those nutrients they need. And also it allows them to save, and it really, this, the industry and peanut industry and other parts are really leaning into sustainability, which is a good thing. There's sustainable crops right there. And there's a good story to tell for the peanut industry that sustainable peanuts, uh, and people want to know where things are coming from. So they're able to say, hey, we're doing this, we've got a sustainable system. And we're also, what it's done is allowed them to have a better bottom line as well. Getting back in the field, it, their souls now are their partner. It's a silent partner in the, mm. in the, in the group. In their, and that's how they look at it. It's not an employee. It's a partner now. Their souls is a silent partner in their, in their, in their form. That is a fascinating concept because more and more growers are thinking that way up in the Midwest. We're talking cover crops. We're talking organic matter. I think the idea that you can get the organic matter they've achieved, and I don't know how many people have ever been to the Gulf Shores, but that's just not really soil. <laughs> Frankly, it's sand. Yeah, it's, it's sand. And like you say, 70 inches of rain, that pretty much just goes away fast. That's why uh, it's a challenging place to raise crops. Anyway, the idea that they're actually holding that soil moisture and giving it to the crop is it's also kind of exciting to pr- show that you can prove this works in basically growing crops. Okay, essentially on the moon, um, when you look at the kind of soil they probably started out with and where they ended up, yeah. and then here they're raising a, a rock star peanut yield. My guess is their cotton's not doing too bad either. That's oh, they're exciting. getting two, two and a half bale cotton, which is also rock star. And their wheat is sitting, 
Uh, they average their wheat, and 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 again, I need to say, of course, they're yeah. all dry land. Of course, when you get 70, 75 inches of rain a year, irrigation is your insurance, so they have no irrigation. But their wheat yields are 60, 65 bushels, and they're they're getting good yields across the board. One thing too is erosion. Um, Tim told me also, uh, and I remember this event too, uh, about four years ago, there was a massive rain event that took place over there where there was 16 inches of rain fell in 24 hours. And their neighbors had gullies you could fall in and not get back out. But they had little to no erosion because of the no-till system they had, and that allowed them to get, keep going. So it, it took them a time to get there. I think that's the one thing, too. They made a commitment to go in that direction and find a way to work. And it's hard those first couple of years to go completely no It's hard to, to park those tillage equipment <laughs> if you have them. Especially down there. And I, I mean, really, it. everybody else is doing it, right? The neighbors, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they did it, and they were able to keep uh, resistant weeds down. I mean, they have don't have the biggest issue with uh, Palmer Amherst over there, but they do have resistant issues with some other weeds as well. Uh, but they're keeping it down, and they're making it work. It takes time. But it also it also becomes part of a lifestyle on the farm. Once you do it and you get used to it, everybody's in sync. They're just making it work. Yeah, I think it's it's fascinating how it all works. It's exciting that they made the soil their partner. I think that's a great orientation and something great to learn. Well, Brad, it's been great talking to you about what you learned from your peanut efficiency award-winning family, the mullets out of the south Al- the Alabama area. Actually, south two- Alabama, that's right. Uh, that's right, and really close to my uh, beautiful part of the country where there's actually water. <laughs> but it's good to talk to you, Absolutely. sir. Take care, and uh, we'll be catching up with you later and appreciate the profile. Thank you, Willie. Thanks to the Farm Press team for their profiles of the 2020 Peanut Efficiency Award winners. And thanks to the sponsors of this year's program, including Agra AFC, AMVAC, John Deere, and the National Peanut Board. Telling these stories of peanut farmers constantly improving on what they do matters. Around Farm Progress is our newest podcast looking at agriculture with the help of our national editorial team. But we have other podcasts you'll want to check out. The best way to find them is to visit farmprogress.com forward slash farm hyphen progress hyphen podcasts. They're worth checking out. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States with editors from the Farm Progress team. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional magazines, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer and Feedstuffs, and of course, the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.